0: Hey, Rob! Ah. (laughs) How's it going? Good. I'm I'm just practicing my dateline voice for our true crime episode today. Ooh, let me hear it. Let me hear it. Let Ah. me hear it. This is my Keith Morrison. Ready? It was a cold night. One of those cold nights where you might want a new blanket. Maybe a new wife. Poor Sonny Vambulo. A name that radiated warmth would now only radiate questions about her attempted murder. Or was it an attempted murder at all? Wow. Sometimes the truth has an interesting way of revealing itself. The trials of Klaus von Müller on this week's This Was a Thing. Why don't you give me one like Robert Stack? Okay, I just need like a raincoat and some fog. This was a thing This was a thing
1: the movie cruising with Al Pacino Whoa Cabbage Patch dolls and
2: Teddy Ruxpin. McRib and shares, Spoon Struck Oscar win That wasn't me. This was a
1: thing. Hi, I'm Ray. And I'm Rob. And you're listening to This Was a Thing, the podcast that dives deep into the cultural happenings
0: of yesteryear. On today's episode, we are going to be looking at the Klaus von Bülow trials, plural, the trials of Klaus. Now, this was a thing because if you are a true crime junkie like myself, and are you a true crime junkie, Ray? Oh, yeah. Then you know TV's obsession with true crime had to start somewhere. Dateline, 48 hours, id they didn't come out of the ether, no, no, no. Or to quote Keith Morrison, no, no, no. <laughs> Thank you. It was only created because networks saw an appetite for crime watching, and it was free, and that was created by the first major celebrity murder trial to fill the airwaves. A crime that had everything. Murder, adultery, gorgeous wealthy people. Dan Cortez with an insulin needle. (laughs) Now, if you don't know his name or remember this story or the iconic 1990 film about it called Reversal of Fortune, which is a brilliant film. If you've never seen it, please go rent it. Jeremy Irons, Glenn Close and Ron Silver. And that's okay if you haven't seen it, because uh, we have had so much more true crime since then. But this puppy was the one that started it all. We're going to introduce you now to our main players. First of all, the victim. Our victim in this case is a woman named Sunny Von Bulow. Sonny Von Bulow. Her real name was Martha Crawford, but she was a rich, rich woman in Newport, Rhode Island, and like all rich women in Newport, Rhode Island, she needed a cutesy name for Mumsikins and Dadikins, and they thought she had such a, such a sunny personality, so they called her Sonny. Larchmont Lockjaw. Mm. She was born in 1932, and when she was three, her father died, and she inherited his $100 million estate. Holy shnakey. Now, this is the 1930s. Even now, $100 back Imagine back then. When she was in her mid-20s, she married the very humble Prince Alfred Edward Friedrich Vincenz Martin Maria von Osselberg. <laughs> uh, who was the son of Prince Alwa von Ausberg and Countess Henriette Laszig von Munich? Now, ironically, despite his royal name, uh, he was her tennis instructor. The family had fallen on. I ar- call him coach. <laughs> so anyway, she and Prince Alvard Aursberg got together. They got married. They had two kids named Annie and Alexander. And by 1965, Sonny realized that the marriage really wasn't working, so they got a divorce. And she was introduced to the Danish Klaus von Bülow, a man who also. Came from a noble background. His father uh, was convicted of uh, war crimes in World War II for the Germans. And Klaus was also working for J. Paul Getty for some time. Oh. So Klaus and Sonny get along. They marry in 1966. And in 1967, they have their only child together, a daughter named Cosima. So we have Annie and Alexander, who were Sonny's kids. And then Sonny and Klaus's one child, Cosima. Now, let's talk a little bit about Klaus. Klaus von Bülow was an interesting man, and he's so brilliantly portrayed by Jeremy Irons in the film that it's kind of hard to explain his eerie calmness, coolness, and wicked sense of humor, but it's clear from an early age that Klaus was intrigued by money, power, and the finer things in life. His real name was Cloud Borberg. But the name Von Bulo, which was his mother's maiden name, carried more clout. More Klaus. More Klaus. <laughs> he was a lawyer, and then he worked for J. Paul Getty. But once he got in with Sonny and had some of that good, good Rhode Island money, he didn't really work any longer. Well, no, I shouldn't say that. He produced the play Death Trap on Broadway, which was about a man who murders his wife, and he did work very hard at sleeping with various women while Sonny wasn't looking. It seemed like everyone knew the marriage wasn't working, but it was hard to end it. But someone kept prodding Klaus to, to like get a divorce. Who was that? His mistress. Soap opera actress named Alexandra Isles. That is such a soap opera name. Alexandra Isles. She was on Dark Shadows. Oh. So Alexandra Isles, though, she tells Klaus, she's like, listen, I can't do this anymore. I'm giving you a six-month ultimatum. Either you get a divorce or I'm leaving you. But if Klaus divorced his wife, he was not entitled to anything. anything So that fancy living would all go away. What to do? What to do? Well, on December 27th, 1979, maybe Sonny was not going to be a problem any longer. We call this one Coma 1. It was that night in 1979 that Sonny mysteriously fell into a coma at their mansion in Rhode Island. And she was rushed to the hospital, was in a coma for about a day, and then recovered, remembering nothing about the events leading up to her being in a wow. coma. So doctors ran blood tests, and they were like, well, we don't know where, you, where this came from, but you're hypoglycemic. And you need to avoid things that are going to spike your insulin levels. Miraculously, she survived coma two. So the next year, around the same time, December 20th, 1980, it's the same thing. She's at home with the kids. Kids are teenagers, by the way, like older teenagers in their 20s. I think like late 20s. Sunny can't navigate the rooms of the house. She can't really stand up without, you know sitting back down again. So her son, Alex takes her to bed and he he chalks it up to fatigue. He goes, she must be really tired. December 21st, the next morning around 11 AM, Sunny is discovered by Klaus laying on the bathroom floor. She's unconscious. Her head's like literally under the toilet bowl. Like you like, you know how like there's that little lip on the toilet bowl. Mm-hmm. Like literally her head somehow is right under there. Her nightgown is pulled up around her hips It's kind of like she was like trying to take her dress off for some reason and then she fell. It's very bizarre. And there's blood under her nose, but the blood is congealed, which means she's been there for a while. Yeah. That's what they, so she's rushed to the hospital. She's in a coma forever. And in fact, Sonny von Bülow will stay in a coma from 1980. To two thousand and
1: eight, what?
0: When she died of natural, not of natural causes. Well, yeah. but she she never gained consciousness. Holy crap! Immediately, things seem off. Surprise, surprise. The paramedics that are driving her to the hospital, the Klaus is in the back and with the stretcher, and they're like, he's very quiet and he's very stoic in the ambulance. Like they're like, anytime someone comes in, they're either yelling and screaming or they're being like extra comforting. Just nothing. Just like he's sitting there on the subway just waiting to get to his next destination. At the hospital, they run tests to figure out what the hell happened to her. And they discover she has really low levels of sugar in her blood and dangerously high levels of insulin. This insulin is not manufactured by the body. She's obviously been injected with some sort of insulin. A safe insulin level is 35 to 145. Hers was 216. Holy crap. Now we're going to take a look at her kids, Annie and Alex. Klaus... Goes on vacation with his mistress while this is while oh. Sonny's in a coma. The kids think something suspicious went on. The fact that Klaus is not hiding his affair any longer, the fact that he was telling anybody who would listen that Sonny was a drunk and had a drug problem. So it sounds like he's been setting up something. Yeah. So they went to an attorney, a guy named Richard Q, saying, We don't know how, but we think Klaus poisoned her. He poisoned our mom, but they have no evidence. And now the three of them, the two kids and the lawyer, they're going to become like the fucking Hardy boys, which they should not have done because it's going to bite them in the ass a little bit later on. One of the kids remembered that they had seen Klaus with a small black bag, you know, like a little tiny, like medicine bag. Mm-hmm. And that bag, they remember seeing it. It contained various needles and bottles and vials in it. And the maid said that she saw Klaus locking up a closet that he usually just kept unlocked. Why was he locking up that closet? Maybe there's something in there he doesn't want people to see. At this point, what would you have done? If you were the kid and you suspected this, what would be your next logical step, maybe? I mean, go to the investigators, you'd think. Like police, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's what they should have done. Yeah. This is not what they did. I just love that the maid was so astute, by the way,
1: that she was like, I know that's an unlocked all the time, because trust me, I always check. This
0: maid first of all, she's she's an interesting witness, but in the movie Reversal of Fortune, she's played by the great acting teacher Uda Hagen. Oh wow. And for the great acting teacher Uda Hagen, who is this like most respected actress, she has something like five lines in the movie, but one of them is her discovering an insulin bottle and she's shocked. But Uda Hagen makes it a meal.
2: Insulin? My
0: lady's not diabetic. Wow. So instead of going to the police, like you suggested, the kids decide to get a private investigator and they're going to go to the house in Rhode Island. They're going to look for a bag. But they've also decided to bring along a locksmith in case Klaus has locked his closet, which he did. The locksmith was like, is this your kids' house? And they're like, yeah, it's our house. Come in. And then they were like, well, what do you, he goes, what do you want me to do? And they're like, we want you to bust open this lock. (laughs) And he was like, why don't we look for the key a little bit longer? (laughs) So eventually Richard Q, the attorney, he's with them. He finds the key in a desk and they open up the closet, Mm -hmm. right? Then later on, they change their story and they're like, well, no, we didn't do that. The locksmith did it. Who the hell knows? But needless to say, this is not a good way, right? Because if they discover something in there, now it's going to be tainted. Well, guess what? They do discover something in there they find the black bag and they give they turn it over to Richard Q now Richard Q the attorney has the black bag what do you think the next thing should happen what's what's the next thing that should happen?
1: well, you know uh, you'd think that they would be going to the police again I feel like
0: that's usually the answer is you should probably go to the police oh yeah no they don't do that so Richard Q takes it does not test it for fingerprints and they don't photograph. Them discovering the black bag. So now it's just some scout's honor. Now, the bag does have tons of stuff in it, but the big thing that was in it was a little vial that was just labeled insulin. (laughs) So at least you know what it is. So now you know you might know what this murder weapon is. What do you do now? Do you go to the police? No. Richard Q sent it off to the von Bülow family doctor and said, Can you test these needles? And because there's high, there's also needles in the bag, like what's on it. And the doctor looked at the needles and, you know, researched them and said, hey, look, either you're going to the police or I will, because I found a used needle and it has insulin on it. Now, how is Klaus reacting to all of this? Well, he doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. Nobody has told him what's going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the, now the police are involved. Right. He still doesn't know. And the police sit down. They question the kids. They questioned Sonny's maid again. And she said, well, I saw a vial in his bag before the the incident. She goes, I remember really distinctly when she was having her first coma. She goes, she was not breathing and she wasn't doing well. And she goes, I kept begging Klaus, please call the ambulance. And he just didn't. Eventually he did. So they were like, maybe that was a dress rehearsal. Now, the police start to investigate what's going on. Remember, she's not dead. She hasn't been killed. She's just in a coma. And the police are wondering, like, how did her head get under the toilet? And, like, why is her dress pulled up? And why is there blood under her nose? But there's no blood anywhere else in the bathroom. It's not like she, like, fell and hit her nose going down, right? So the lead detective is like, I cannot figure out how her dress is above her hips. So he decides to play amateur detective, With his wife. And he has his wife put on a nightgown. And he says... He goes, I want you to just go limp for me. And he drags her into the bathroom. And he goes, when she slides out from underneath my arms, her nightgown goes up above her hips. He's like, so obviously, she was... He thinks she was dragged into there and then lowered down to the ground, which caused the dress to go. Yeah. So it seems like she was placed in the bathroom. Now, the police decided to surprise Klaus in New York City when he came back because now he's now moved into Sonny's apartment on, uh, in Central Park. And the, the, the police detective has a, you know, a Q&A with him. And at the end, the police officer just decides to trick Klaus a little bit. And he says, um, you don't suppose your wife was using insulin you know, without you knowing about it, do you? And Klaus said, insulin is the last thing she would need. But if the detectives were right, They just let Klaus know, we know what happened to her. Mm -hmm. But he can't admit it, right? Yeah. So three days later, surprise, Klaus von Bülow leaves New York and goes to Rhode Island, back to his mansion. And while there, he's greeted by the police who have a search warrant. And while one cop interrogates Klaus in one room, the others are looking around the house. And when they go upstairs, they notice that Klaus's closet is now unlocked and it's opened There's a scratch pad on Klaus's desk that just reads black box. And in the closet, there is a black box in which Klaus kept his black bag. During the interview, Klaus excused himself for a moment. And wouldn't you know it when he returned and everyone went back up into the bedroom, the scratch pad was gone and the closet was locked again. Something a little suspicious is happening here. Yeah, it's a little suspicious. Trial one, folks. So in July of 1981, Klaus was charged with two counts of attempted murder. And the state of Rhode Island wasn't very stupid. If the trial was televised, that would be good for business. And so cameras were allowed in the courtroom. Now, Rhode Island had a couple of years earlier had approved the fact that you could have cameras in the courtroom. But... This was going to be... This is way different. Way different. Now, it's common today. We see it all the time. Yeah. But back then, this is what we're trying to get at. But back then, this was not common. Radios were allowed in during the Lindbergh baby kidnapping. So that was like the first like big, big, big celebrity trial sure. that people latched into. And some of Ted Bundy's trial was televised. But this was very different. It was sexy. It was about rich people. It was circumstantial evidence A victim who could wake up any second and say... He did it, or I tried to kill myself, or I don't know what happened. All of America, which loved seeing people behaving badly on TV shows like Dallas, especially rich people, they were ready to see this up close and personal. The trial did not disappoint. Klaus was cool and collected. Here is Klaus with his feelings on the press. He comes off as very rational. It simply is the first time I'd ever been exposed to the media. And it was new to me, and I... um... I think I
1: belong to the kind of people who like to be in the newspaper the day they are born, the day they get married, and the day they die. I suddenly realized that this was a futile wish, and they're
0: very nice people individually. I could do with them one at a time. In February of 1982, the trial begins. Give me a bum 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 Thank you. But it's a circumstantial evidence case. So give me a womp womp. Mm -hmm. Very good. You can't prove anything. Medical testimony is complicated. Remember, we are so used to now because of this trial hearing and other trials, DNA evidence and knowing how all that stuff works. This was not going to land. And the people that they picked for the jury in Rhode Island Rhode Island in this area is actually a working class community, even though it's filled with rich people. So it's not like, like you know, very sophisticated long, long jaw standing there. It's going to be like the grocer. A shrimp boat captain. Lieutenant Dan. The defense got all pissy. And they said, look, you keep saying that the motive is for money. Uh, we don't believe that that's the case. The kids wanted the money. Maybe the kids killed her. And also, don't forget, Sonny was drinking and doing drugs all the time. And then they turned it on the onto the jury in the courts, and they said, if he was poor, we would not be doing this. But because he is rich, you want to attack the rich. And that's the only reason why we're having this trial. Shame on all of, all of you. Witnesses were called. The kids said Klaus was open about having mistresses. The maid told a story of how he wouldn't help with the first coma. The maid and the kids wondering why was insulin in the house? She wasn't, she didn't take insulin. They brought in Sonny's doctor, who said she was healthy as can be. And he thought foul play was involved. And of course, they brought in Alexandra Isles. Oh. And here she is giving testimony. All filmed, all videotaped, I mean, a broadcast, I mean, on the news, uh, and she's giving you Emmy realness. The prosecution wanted to know if she continued seeing Von
2: Bülow after she had learned he was charged with his wife's attempted murder.
1: Yes, but I thought it was a pack of nonsense.
2: Do you still think it's a pack of nonsense? I don't know. I didn't hear that answer. I don't know. Let me ask you this one last question, Mrs. Isles. Maybe you can't answer it. Do you still love the defendant?
0: I don't know. The trial ended after three months, and Klaus von Bülow was found guilty. Oh. Sentenced to 30 years in prison. Oh, wow. Now, the appeal. Now, a reminder, an appeal does not reexamine the person on trial, but the trial itself. So the, they have to say that the trial was not conducted properly. It doesn't matter if he was innocent or guilty. Once that's done then he'll go have a new trial, which will be done more fairly. So that's what they have to prove to the Mm-mm. to the judges. Klaus needed a very strong litigator to come in and say the first trial was filled with mistakes, which ideally would lead to Klaus having a second fairer trial. And he called the once reputable, not the what the fuck is wrong with him now attorney, and Harvard law professor, Alan Dershowitz, uh, not Giuliani, Alan Dershowitz. I was hoping it was going to be a Roy Cohn. No. Oh, that would have been great too. And in May of 1982, Alan Dershowitz, says, yeah, I'm going to sign on for the case. And what got him, he said, was Sonny's stepchildren are so freaking wealthy, they could afford to nail Klaus and circumvent like the regular investigative process. He's like, how is it that all of this stuff that was obtained illegally and improperly was somehow used as evidence? Like the evidence that was planted, he goes, was it ever tested for fingerprints? No. He goes, if Sonny's fingerprints are on it, then we know she was injecting herself. A lot of missteps. A lot of missteps. Do you smell that?
1: I'm sorry, it was... I just- that double beef and cheddar.
0: No, the smell of love in the air. Now, I'm pretty sure that's double beef and cheddar, buddy. Will you stop? It's February, which means that it's Valentine's month. That's right, I said month.
1: And any healthy relationship celebrates Valentine's Day for the entire month. And what's
0: the best gift to give that loved one? How about some exclusive Access now that's sexy. Ow. Sorry, I had something in my throat. I am talking Patreon access here, folks. You can tell your love that you got them the old Lucy level.
1: Yeah, that's right. For only five dollars a month, you can gain access to so much exclusive content. It's not even funny. Easy. The
0: content is funny. Yeah, sorry. It's uh it's the amount of a funny content you get isn't, isn't funny. That's right. Funny content for a sexy Valentine's Day.
1: I got you this Patreon access for Valentine's Day. I
0: said I wanted chocolate. Oh, boy. So now, Dershowitz only had 10 months to appeal. You had, you had 10 months from the conviction to when your appeal date runs out. So he was teaching law at the time at Harvard. And this is really brilliant. He was like, he gathered all of his students together. And he said, you're all going to help me work on this case. And I'm going to divide you into teams. And your job on your team is to figure out exactly what went wrong in your specific department that we can then bring back to the judge. So one team was insulin team. One team was black bag team. One team was first coma team. So each of those teams had to go and look to see where they could poke holes in the original trial. Here was the plan of attack that they came up with. First of all. The attorney the kids hired, Richard Q, this was the kid's lawyer who conducted the investigations on his own. He was the one who told the kids, go get the black bag. He's the one that sent it out for testing. He shared his thoughts with the police on what was going on, but he would not turn over his notes to the defense in the first trial. Then Alan Dershowitz was like, "Okay, can you send me the notes? And he's like, no, I'm not sending you the notes. And Alan Dershowitz said, as soon as he said I'm not giving you the notes. He's like, I know there's something in the notes he doesn't want us to see. He goes, so why is he hiding it? So then it became their mission to get these notes and the notes were when the kids came in and he interviewed the kids Mm -hmm. and this was all very fresh in everyone's mind. So it's going to be the most honest reflection of what exactly happened. Everyone thought that the black bag was going to be the smoking gun, which is like, look, there's a, it's his black bag with his stuff. And a lot of the medicine bottles in there, I think all of them had his name and address on a Klaus von Bühler. So it's like, this is his bag, right? But one of the people on the team was like, I don't think it's the bag that's going to be the smoking gun. I think it's going to be the insulin. And they double checked the lab results from when she first got admitted to the hospital with her second coma. And they saw that four tests were run. On her blood levels. But only one of those tests showed 216. If you were running the same test over and over, you should be getting the same number. One of them showed zero. One of them showed 350. So what the fuck? This meant that the insulin test could not be used as evidence because it's it's inconsistent. Yeah. Three, the needle. So- one of the things that was they saw was the needle had insulin on it. How do you explain the insulin on the tip of the needle, right? Because obviously, if there's insulin on the tip of the needle, it's obviously been injected into somebody and it's been used, right? Because it's encrusted at yeah. the end. Alan Dershowitz had a theory. Here is Alan Dershowitz with a glass of Coke and his finger. You don't have to see it. Trust me. You don't want to see it. You can just hear about it.
1: Well, let me... Illustrate it right now with this glass of soda. We did it with uh, a turkey skewer and a glass of milk, but you can do it with anything. If you stick something in a liquid, like my finger in this glass of soda, and you just let it dry, you see the liquid goes to the very tip and is encrusted in that way. And that's the way the insulin was found on the needle in this case. If, on the other hand, what you were to do was to take a needle, and inject it, the liquid would spread all
0: throughout. And did the lab make a mistake and say, yes, that is insulin on the needle? So Dershowitz sent the lab various needles to test. Some had insulin on them. Some had saline solution on them. Some had barbiturates on them. And the results came back saying, oh, yeah, those have insulin on them not all of them did uh-huh. which meant these were false positives so maybe there wasn't insulin on the needles this is uh, this is cr- this whole thing is just insane and then finally the big one which is the other thing the black bag so this is where it gets a little bit confusing but bear with me here we go you would think that alex the son has no right to take klaus's bag but because the house was alex's house and there's pro- his property in the house you can do what you want yeah it was his he could do whatever he want with it But when he turned it over to the police, then it became a constitutional question. And any search on that bag from that point out was an illegal search because it was possessions that were obtained illegally. Yeah. There was no search warrant.
1: I've been waiting for this aspect. Yeah. So
0: the police should have gotten a search warrant. Yeah. And then been allowed to go in and look in the bag.
1: Yeah, the fact that they used that bag as evidence in the first trial when it was obtained
0: illegally without a search warrant. I thought that they were going to say that, oh, because the son took the bag, it was stolen property. Yeah. But then when they were like, no, it can't, that's okay, it's the fact that the police didn't do the follow-up is kind of interesting to me. So in March of 1983, he finally gets his appellate trial in the appellate court. And so at this point, Dershowitz has to prove the first case was filled with errors. He said the black bag should be excluded because it was illegally obtained. And the notes from Richard Q, the, the first attorney, he goes, those should be included. And then he brought in the new medical evidence saying, look, None of these tests have the same numbers with the insulin. They're saying that there's insulin on this needle, but there is no insulin on this needle. And it took one year for the court to decide that Richard Q should turn over the notes. What? It took a year? Dear, a year. Is Von Bulo in jail? No, no. Okay. He's, he got He's out on a million dollar bail. Got it. And that the black bag was a violation of Klaus's rights because there was no warrant. Therefore, he will get a new trial in which you can't like bring in the black bag as evidence. So a lot of the stuff that they had had before, all their smoking guns, now they can't bring in. Plus, they now get the benefit of having Richard Q's Notes. Yeah. Okay. Now that the judge is like, he can get a second trial. Then it's up to the district attorney to say, yeah, we're going to give us, we're going to try him again. Or the district attorney to be like, we're washing our hands. Now all of the spotlights are on Rhode Island and the DA knows this and says, yeah, we're going to give him another trial. We think, we think we can convict him this time. I don't know how, cause they're getting less. So now they're going to go in though with some new evidence. First of all, there's the Q notes. This is helpful for Klaus. The notes revealed that in all the notes that this guy took, When he interviewed the son, the daughter, the maid, all these people, no one ever mentioned the word insulin. There's no mention of the word insulin in these notes. Yeah. So Alan Dershowitz is saying, so obviously, when they came to you beginning, there was no insulin conversation, and now suddenly everyone remembers insulin. He goes, but nobody brought it up the first time. Yeah, first time. Q, Richard Q said, goes, no, 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 no. He's like, I, they, they kept, they told me about it. I didn't need to make a note of it because uh, that was the main reason they were coming in. I didn't need to make a note of it. Who knows? But the defense kept hammering, why is there no mention of insulin? Now for the DA, this is hard. The black bag, it's out, which means its contents are out. So they needed something really big to tie Klaus to the murder. And they got it with Alexandra Isles again. Oh, good. And she admitted that in 1979, Klaus revealed to her he was going to kill Sonny by giving her a shot of insulin. This is her on the stand.
1: He said that the next day when she was unconscious that he, he watched her, knowing that she was in a bad way all day and watched her and watched her. And finally, when she was on the point of dying, he said that he couldn't go through with it, and he called and saved her life. You certainly didn't believe that he intentionally tried to harm his wife in December of 1979, or you wouldn't have continued to associate with him. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? I'm ashamed to say it's not true.
0: You're saying that you wrote a letter saying that you wanted a continuation. Have you ever
1: been in love? I doubt it, but you do some crazy things.
0: The defense also brought back uh, one of the doctors from the prosecution side from the first trial, who wasn't allowed to say that he thought that the coma was from a lack of oxygen to the brain. He goes, I wanted to say that the first time, but the DA wouldn't allow me. then they bring eight medical experts to come on to the stand. And each one says it could not necessarily was insulin. It could have been numerous issues. Evidence also showed that Sonny was admitted to the hospital three weeks prior to the final coma, and it showed that she had ingested at least 73 aspirin tablets. Oh, wow. So sounds like a suicide test, yeah. a quantity that only could have been self-administered. And that what they were trying to say with that is, is maybe she tried to kill herself. So six weeks later, after the second trial, Klaus von Bülow is found not guilty oh shit the children the two children of Sonny and her first husband Prince Alfred von Ahrensberg they filed a six fifty six million dollar civil lawsuit against Klaus found below on their mother's behalf on December 24th 1987 the case was settled out of court Klaus agreed to divorce Sonny give up all claims to her fortune which was then estimated between 25 and 40 million dollars and he was going to leave the country he packed up his bags he moved to London where he became a theater critic. Oh, my God. He only died somewhat recently, Klaus von Bülow. I think he died in, like, 2019. I feel like I remember when he died. Yeah. Alan Dershowitz, as you know, went off to become, like, a talking head-on for all things legal. And I'll reiterate this. Sonny stayed in her coma until 2008 when she eventually passed away. But a big loser in all of this, three women, Oprah, Rosie, and Martha. Oh. I'll explain. When we come back. Ray, can you hand me my black bag? Am I going to get poked with something? This was a thing. This was a thing.
1: And now, this is a sketch. The following movie is rated PG-13. Day-bow-bow.
0: It's getting pretty tough coming up with new alibis. It's a little petty, but then again... So is marriage. America's
1: favorite bad boy is back, and this time he's got a lot more to deal with than Mr. Rooney. This time he's on trial for murder. Yes, this summer, it's Ferris Von Bulow's Day Off, starring Matthew Broderick as Ferris Von Bulow. All right, Von Bulow, we'll be back later.
0: He bought it. How do they expect me to take questions about the murder of my wife on a day like this? Von Bulow, Von Bulow. Alan Dershowitz, babe, get dressed and come on over.
1: I'm under the weather, Klaus.
0: Von Bulow.
1: Insulin? They found nine vials? Von Bulow. I'm not leaving my house, Klaus. I guess that's my cla- my dad. What are we gonna do?
0: What aren't we going to do? Not tell anyone. Precisely. <laughs> Say von Bülow. Von Bulo! Danke schön, Darling, darling, Danke schön. Day wow, wow. Insulin moves pretty fast. If you don't look around, you could miss it. And by it, I mean the vein.
1: Yes. Ferris Von Bulow is taking more than the day off. He's taking his marriage off.
0: I do have a trial today, that wasn't bullshit. It's on killing my wife. I'm not a killer, nor do I plan on being a killer. So who gives a crap how much insulin I buy? It still wouldn't change the fact that I'm not a good person.
1: Ferris Von Bulow's day off. If you miss it, it's the crime of the century.
0: Go home seriously, I was acquitted. Written and directed by John Hughes. Thank you. This was a sketch. Okay, so Raymond Michael Hebel, based on all the evidence laid out in front of you, do you think Klaus von Bülow attempted to murder Sonny von Bülow or did not attempt to murder Sonny von Bülow? I think he, yes, I think he probably did. I think so, too. Yeah. I think so, too. I think this guy thought he was going to be able to get away with it. Now, the trial did excite cable news networks because they had to fill 24 hours of programming. Think about it, a trial that starts at 10 a.m., goes till about five, that could fill up a huge block of time, and then you can get pundits on before and after talking about it. This was cheaper than original programming, and the network started to realize this is cheaper than soap operas and talk shows. It's the wild, wild west. It's the wild west. So after the success of the Von Bulow trial in 1984, CNN carried live gavel-to-gavel coverage of the New Bedford rape trial Which, if you're unfamiliar with that, it's the basis for the movie with Jodie Foster, The Accused. And there's a great Netflix special on it, uh, which we'll post a link to. So while government trials could always be billed as like a government service, like the coverage of Watergate or Iran-Contra, networks had to figure out a way to justify why you were filling up programming with celebrity trials, which had no impact on the real world. Watergate did, Iran-Contra did, Bill Clinton's impeachment trial did. So the way that networks got around it was it's very important for people to see the legal system at work. And I will say, I don't know how about you, I grew up, I remember the. Fr- I remember watching like the OJ trial, I remember, OJ. I remember the Rodney King trial. Rodney King's not a celebrity, but OJ, I mean, you know, the OJ, OJ trial. was insane. And I think I ended up learning a lot more about law watching those, like that trial, the Clinton trial, I think I learned a lot about law that way. And I think a lot of other people did as well because then you started to see exactly how, one, how does a trial work from beginning to end? Yeah. It's not law and order. It's not Perry Mason. You know, there's a, there's a huge process to it. But I think it also sort of underlined the fact if you're rich – the law doesn't really apply to you. Mm -hmm. You know, Klaus von Bülow, I think, was able to buy his way or got in lucky enough with somebody like Alan Dershowitz. Yeah, I mean... Oh, you're upset about it?
1: Well, it's just, I mean, even with the evidence taken away, I feel like there was just still enough evidence presented for a guilty verdict. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, though, the defense this time... You're right. I wonder why the first one didn't, you know, follow up on tests and stuff like that. Because they were probably afraid that... You know, you don't know. You don't want to test, and, let, and if you find out the answer, you might not be happy with it. Yeah, those lawyers probably went and going. This guy is guilty, and if we want, if we test stuff, yeah, it'll only get be. It's gonna get worse. Yeah, because they'll be like, oh, we tested That's the needle. True. What's interesting about these trials now, after the Klaus von Bülow and the New Bedford trial, the same way people would yell at like baseball players for missing the ball, people would now gather in bars and yell at judges for sustaining objections. Come on, Lance Ito. No, it's. I mean, every fucking day I remember in the OJ trial, it was like Monday morning quarterbacking. You know what I mean? Yeah. They w- they would all come in and go. I don't know why he sustained that objection, or I don't know why they allowed that piece of evidence. And suddenly, everyone became a legal expert. It's like Facebook. Well, now there's YouTube legal experts, and that's become like their thing. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, at least when it was on like network news, you had I, I would assume pretty reputable sources. Now anyone can have oh, an yeah. opinion on. Well, it. Well,
1: now there the, with the the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial, there's just been there was a lot of things going on, and TikTok. Legal experts and YouTube legal experts are now getting more eyes on them yep. than CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, or any of like the actual networks. So if
0: it wasn't, though, for the Von Bulow trial, we would not be having oh, no. th- yeah. all of this it's per true. se. I mean, I think what it did was it showed people – like I said, it was – Literally, Dynasty in Dallas without spending money. Yeah, when you were growing up, or maybe even still now, are there any trials that you watched religiously?
1: Well, I mean, not re- watched religiously, but like OJ was such a big thing. I in my third grade class, my teacher put on the radio when the verdict came, and just yes. so like just in the class, like we listened to it at collectively as a class. Like, yeah, I, the the OJ trial was, and then I feel like. The Michael Jackson trial uh, oh, in like yeah. the early aughts yes. was a big thing because E Channel was re they couldn't have cha- uh, cameras in the courtroom, so E Channel hired a Michael Jackson impersonator and they they film they acted out. The different days in court, they hired an actor. Get out. Oh, oh I'll never forget. They hired an actor. Uh, Michael Jackson's lawyer had this like long white hair. They hired an actor. I mean, the if you've ever seen Eastbound and Down, Will Ferrell, in the first couple seasons, Ashley Schaaf of BMW, he has this white long hair, and it looks like Michael Jackson's lawyer. Oh, okay. But it, yeah, I'll never forget. It was maybe 2003, 2004. It was, I was in high school. But it would be the trial during the day, and then E would like film the transcripts and get it on at night that was like the nighttime, like here's the recreation of that days. It's, oh my so God. Yeah, so That's, I mean. I didn't know that, Yeah, That's it, funny. but it was because it was Michael Jackson, but yeah, I mean, it just goes to show that courts on TV, are people will watch them even if it's a fucking Michael Jackson impersonator.
0: Where do you think that fascination comes from? I what, almost, what do people, what are you looking at? I mean, what do it's you like just to t- see?
1: I mean, for lack of a better term, it's like, you know, seeing the train wreck, what's going to happen, you got to know the outcome. And then also it's a matter of like a matter of, I feel like it helps people with their own morality sometimes when they can watch a trial and see someone that's did a bunch of bad stuff and then go, "Well, I guess I'm not that
0: bad." I you see that I lean into. I think I my think life's it's, fucked up, yeah. but at least it's not that exactly. Do you think that putting these trials on television, there's something valuable in it? Like to put Klaus von Bulow's trial on television, to put Michael Jackson, to put O.J. Simpson. I mean, what happened to all of these 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 individuals, the victims, uh, is horrible. But it doesn't change your, it doesn't change anything for your day to day living. No. So, do you think that these trials should be on television? And if so, should they take up the whole blocks of time?
1: For like a channel that
0: specifically plays court stuff? And I mean,
1: yeah, that's fine. I
0: mean, because of the Von Belo trial, a whole fucking channel came out of this. No, yeah.
1: I I don't mind necessarily trials being broadcast for accountability reasons but when it's stuff like a civil trial where it's like i don't need to watch that i don't think and like the johnny depp amber heard thing but it's like so much of that stuff did not need to see the light of day for people to comment on it and have no valid opinion on it to be commenting on you know what i mean like but like when it's a murder trial maybe due to accountability but then that that kind of stuff is just gonna get eyes I, i don't know like it's I guess an accountability thing, but I think certain trials don't need to be broadcast, like the Amber Heard, Johnny like a, Depp. Ci- like I think a civil suit. I don't necessarily know why. Yeah. But also nowadays with social media, the floodgates are so open that it's way different. It's 40 years later after the Klaus von Bülow trial, it's even crazier because it's everyone becomes a talking head. It doesn't matter if you went to law
0: school or you watched, you know, the third season of SVU one time. I will never forget, though, like I think I was seven or eight or something, that the Rodney King trial watching people reacting to the lawyers and the judges comments and calls literally like it was a sporting event. And oh absolutely. The reaction I remember to the OJ verdict was like a Super Bowl team. What you know, the the winning team, the losing team, that that were so invested in this particular game, but it's like it's not a game, it's people's lives. And once again, it's one of those things I I hate to harp on this. I understand government trials being broadcast gavel to gavel. The Supreme Court things yeah, I understand because yeah. it's 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 about our that in, that affects our daily life. Klaus von Bülow and Sonny von Bülow do not affect anything. No, But other ones that came on because they were popular, I'm wondering if you saw any of these, ever heard of these or remember these. Uh, Christian Brando, Marlon Brando's Sonny murdered his sister's boyfriend. The trial was televised and they brought in like Marlon Brando as one of the star witnesses. If his name was Christian Jones, obviously nobody would be yeah watching this trial remember pamela smart now this is interesting cuz pamela smart this is not a celebrity but this is turning a person into a celebrity remember pamela smart she was the woman that was having an affair with a te- with one of her students she was a teacher Oh, uh, okay and the, the she got the kids to kill her husband for yeah allegedly Amy Fisher, uh, Joey yeah. Bonafuco, the Menendez brothers, Heidi Fleiss, Lorena Bobbitt, O.J. Simpson, Scott Peterson, Robert Blake, Lisa Nowak, Phil Spector, Casey Anthony, and we just saw Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. The list goes on and on and on. And I think now it's interesting. I don't know if you feel the same way, but if you, I watched a lot of the tri- the Klaus von Bülow trial, and it's so clear that the only audience is the jury, now, when you watch these televised trials, oh, they play it, to they a, play yeah. it to the cameras. Court of public opinion is almost more important yeah. than what a jury has to say. Like watching like the Casey Anthony case or going back and watching footage of the OJ Simpson case, watching those lawyers play to the camera. Yeah. I think had I not, you know, gone into this business of, you know, losing money on a podcast, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I think I would have wanted to have been an attorney. Really? Yeah. I think I would have been a lawyer like Brody Yeah oh, a maritime law? No, not maritime. What kind of law? That's a great thing. I feel like I would love Sports to have been- law? No, maybe a defense attorney. Oh. No, I'd so probably defensive. be a district attorney. I'd probably have been a district attorney. I could see you being a district attorney. Just like Jack McCoy. Would you wear a bow tie? No, why? I don't know. No, I, I would wear a three-piece suit. No. no. No, no, no. I would wear a suit, no vest, suspenders, and I would do that. Well, I put on a Southern accent. I was going to say. Yeah.
1: Nah, I like to call Miss Owls
0: to the stand. Alexandra Owls. All of this is because Klaus von Buehler just didn't want to work for his riches. Isn't that interesting?
1: But I have a question about your lady. Yeah. Does she like to play a game?
0: <laughs> My lady loves to play the game.
2: This was a thing and now it's a quiz. This is a This Was A Quiz with Mark Schroeder.
0: Mark Schroeder, did you happen to know anything about Klaus von Bülow?
2: If anything, I only knew the name from some pop culture reference, but I never knew what it was about. I never knew anything until this was a real crash course for me. But honestly, whether or not you think Klaus von Bülow is guilty or innocent of trying to kill his wife with an insulin injection, it's irrelevant (laughs) (laughs) because the real murderer here is sugar. Okay, sugar oh. fucking sucks, man, yes. and goddamn it's oh so fucking good. Yeah, I'll give you that. So let's do another dance with the devil in a little game called Sugar, Sugar. Honey, this is honey. Uh, this is sugar and sugar related trivia. You are my sunny girl. You gotta, th- yeah, yeah. It's all about the Archies, sugar, sugar. It's abstract though, so you gotta think within and okay. uh, outside of the box, the Domino's sugar box, if you will. <laughs> I wanted you to be quiet so I could make that joke. You guys are competing Boom. against each other. You're going head to head, so you got to be the first one Oof. to answer these questions. Okay. Okay, you get a point. The one with the most points at the end gets type 2 diabetes. <laughs> okay. Here we go. <laughs> you got a port. This 1969 hit is a sing-along favorite, despite the fact that the Pour original lyrics sugar on me. do not include ba 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 after the chorus. Sweet Caroline. That is correct. Say his name 5 times in a mirror and die. Candyman. That is correct. This is head to head, right? I just I, I, know, I know, okay. I know, just I know, I know. Too fast. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, didn't know I did this. Who sang the 1969 hit "Sugar Sugar"? The Archies. Good one, Ray. Number four, book by Neil Simon, music by Cy Coleman. Goodbye, girl. Little me. This is a Sugar Sugar game. It's all related to Sweet Charity. That is correct. Here, Rob, you'll know this one. If you ever go to prison, expect to strip down and undergo one of these. Oh, a Sweet Spot, A Lockdown, Shakedown. A Lickin'? Uh, no, this would be a Cavity Search. Oh. This would be a Cav- cavity, oh, cavity Search. Oh, Cavity. So oh, yeah, It's okay. getting great. Yeah, it's getting real. Uh, number six, they had hits with songs Fly, Someday, and Sugar Every Ray. Morning. That is correct. This sugar substitute, which has about Thacrim. 50 to 300 times the sweetness of sugar, is a natural sweetener derived from the leaves native to Brazil and Paraguay. Thaqurim? No. Uh, stevia? It is stevia. it's the is fuck is stevia? Oh, stevia.
1: It's actually it's three times sh- uh, sweeter than sugar, and it's not it's uh, from Par- Paraguay. So there you go. You should have listened to
2: the question. Sorry, dude. Three examples of simple sugars with similar. Nomenclatures are fructose, glucose, and this corn syrup. High, high fructose corn syrup. Sucrose, sucrose. sucrose. That's In what there. you suck on when you have a sore throat. Yeah, that's exactly right. This diabetic actor was a known spokesman for Wilford the American diet yes. That is correct. I just You're annoyed. seeing when John Gibbon
0: doesn't have I Don't have diabetes. I just look like I have diabetes.
2: <laughs> All right, this is good. Going to the last question. <laughs> tied four to four. <laughs> All right, you guys. Somebody's got to win. We're tied four to four. Final Uh-oh. question. Uh-oh. This was the name of the theatrical feature film debut, directorial debut, of Mr. Steven Spielberg.
0: Sugarland Express.
2: That is correct, Rob Schneider, the victor of this game. Congratulations! Type two diabetes.
0: (laughs) You tell me something I don't have. I need Uh, to go get some crackers. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. I'm going to do a victory lap,
2: but first I got to shoot myself up. (laughs) About Al Pacino in The Vatican Godfather Three. Do you have a candy bar? (laughs) You know, show something sweet. And then a priest runs and comes back with a candy bar. That's where they he, he takes the guy's glasses right and he stabs him mm-hmm. in the neck with the glasses. You shake him down. He's got to kill the guy. He's got a no weapon. It that is an amazing... There's read. still great sequences in there.
0: I've only seen Godfather 1. What?
2: Wow. You haven't seen two? Wow. Exclusive. Here it on your was show. It so good. Here Equals on your show. Sequels are never
0: better than the original. Yes, this one. Is. I would say Blues this Brothers. one is, wouldn't you?
2: But don't you know what, like the Society says, though, I think it's generally accepted that it is it's far, a far better. Film. Than the I mean, first Godfather's
0: one. Godfather One is a and brilliant that, film, and that should entice you
2: even more, right?
1: I'm sorry, I've never fucking seen it. I've seen Godfather One twice. Does that count?
0: Rob,
2: put down is the gun. that like I've seen Rob, Godfather Two? Put down two? the gun, put down the gun, Rob. He doesn't have to see it. He doesn't have He gets that joke. How,
0: how can they find us? Oh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Go to the godfather.com Go forward slash hashtag no Sophia hashtag more George Hamilton. The rest of this
2: season is just going to be a live commentary of us watching
0: Godfather 3. <laughs> yeah. Just click on I thought Joe Montana was Andy Garcia and it'll take you to another link where you can learn more about at this was a thing the podcast and you can see us on Instagram at this was a thing pod and you can go online or the website at www.thiswasathing.com. And uh, if you want to send us some money so we can get Ray to go see Godfather two and three, God, you're behind. We'll get um, you. Just get a GoFundMe going. Yeah. For um, uh, send us some money on Patreon. It keeps us going. It uh, pays wonderful
2: people like Mark and Cut Cut Schwartzberg. Oh, that'd be a fun Patreon Billy exclusive Risi.
1: episode. I watch Godfather
2: 2 and 3. Yeah. We'll pay him enough for one month subscription to Paramount+. Plus. Yeah, oh, I yeah. would do
0: that. That's fair. I actually have it. so <laughs> No excuses. All right, friends. Uh, if you have a feeling on the Klaus von Bülow trial, let us know. <laughs>
2: Somebody's like, I feel strongly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've got a feeling. Thank God, somebody asked me. <laughs> I have been waiting for three white
0: men to ask me another white man my feeling on a foreigner. <laughs> Thank you. This was a thing. Thank you. I'm heard. <laughs>
1: Thanks for listening to This Was a Thing. And a big thanks to the folks that keep this show running. Our editor, Daniel Cutcut Schwartzberg. Our composer, Billy Better Than DC Reesey, Our social media director, Gabe Hashtag Crawford our graphic designer, Natalie's nothing-too-graphic, DeSavia, and finally, our games coordinator, Mark the Shark Schroeder. If you liked what we did today, make sure to head on over to iTunes to rate and review us. The more stars you leave us, the more love we feel. Hey, speaking of love, show us some social media love. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ThisWasAThingPod, and Facebook, we are ThisWasAThingPodcast. Reach out, we'd love to hear from you.